We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Let's open up to Luke chapter 1. As we enter into our last Sunday before Christmas Day, and uh, even though we're having a Christmas Eve service this Thursday, which you are, are thoroughly invited to, I, I pray you come out. I just thought it would be appropriate to celebrate a little bit of Christmas with you today, uh, since there might be a couple of you who can't make it out on Thursday, and I understand how that is. We have our family traditions. How many of you here, you get together with your family on Christmas Eve, and you open gifts at midnight? All right, that's cool. I love that. I remember those days, man. Let me just begin today by asking you a question. How would you finish this sentence? Christmas is Christmas when... How would you finish that sentence? And I know some of you are logical, and you'd be like, duh, Manny, Christmas is Christmas on December 25th. I know, some of you are like that. And some of you are maybe a, more, a little bit more, you know, social. You might say, Christmas is Christmas when I'm with my family, you know. I don't know how you would finish the sentence. There might be some who say, Christmas is Christmas when I give the gifts or when I get the gifts. You know, some make it all about the gifts. They say the average adult in America this year will spend $830 on Christmas gifts. It's up 15% from last year. And I know some of you laugh because you're like, that's not, I'm spending a lot more than that, right? I mean, they say uh, close to $500 billion is going to be spent on gifts and goodies this year. You know, and so some say, well, it's, a, it's when I give or when I get. There, there might be some who say Christmas is Christmas when I you know, send out all the cards. Uh, they say 1.5 billion cards, Christmas cards, are sent out each year. Uh, that's more than all the other holidays combined. And so I don't know if you do that. I know my wife, she loves to do that. And we usually send out a family photo at the end of the year. And we get to see how each are changing, you know. And, and so uh, to her, it's a blessing. When we get the cards, we actually have like a tradition of praying over them before we put them away each year. And so it's kind of cool, you know. Um, there might be some who say Christmas is Christmas when I get the tamales or when I set up the tree or when I go through all the traditions. You know, for us uh, as a family up to this year, this is the first year we broke the tradition. So you got to pray for us, ma'am, because every year um, when we decorated the tree, it was my wife making chocolate chip cookies and me and my family putting up the various ornaments. This year, I don't know what happened. I think uh, she forgot. No, I'm just joking. I can't. <laughs> blame it on her but you know i mean there's just these songs that we hear um some might say it's about the decorations or the dining or the family and the friends the have i seen the lights or even you know, some would say christmas is christmas when i've been to church you know and 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 let me just say this to you all these things are okay but um let me see if we can really complete that sentence based on the scriptures here in luke 1 Look what we read in verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
Here we see Luke identifies this in verse 26 as the sixth month in reference to the pregnancy of Elizabeth. She was six months pregnant. Her husband was Zacharias and the baby within Elizabeth's womb would grow to become the one we refer to as John the Baptist. If you read earlier in Luke, you'll notice that he elaborated on how the angel Gabriel had appeared to Zacharias in the temple of Jerusalem and now the angel Gabriel is sent to make another announcement. Gabriel, as you know, uh, is one of only two angels that are named by name in the Bible. Uh, Michael is the other. He's mentioned five times. Gabriel is mentioned four. And he seems to be, Gabriel, uh, more of a messenger, while Michael is more of a fighter. We see Gabriel in chapters 8 and 9 of Daniel and twice here in Luke. And in verse 19, you'll notice that Gabriel informs us that he stands in the presence of God. And we see here in verse 26 that Gabriel was sent by God. And so, where was he sent? It says right there again in verse 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was about 70 miles northeast of Jerusalem, and it was, a, it was a lot different than Jerusalem. It was a small town. It was a tough town. Uh, the Gentile influence had taken its toll. Um, the people there were known to be corrupt, morally low. I mean, Nazareth was so bad that Nathaniel in John chapter 1, verse 46, asked that question, can anything good come out of Nazareth, right? And that's when Philip said, you know, come and see. You know, in most Jewish eyes, Galilee was bad and Nazareth was worse. And yet, when you look at the Christmas story, it's here that this angel, Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God in that holy place is sent to such an unholy place, the city of Nazareth, to a young maiden. And we read right here, her name is Mary. Again, notice it says there in verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. You know, you'll you'll see there in verse 27 that Luke identifies her as a virgin, and he does so immediately and repeatedly. He does it two times, right? And so he wants to make sure that's clear. She'd never been with a man sexually. She's... uh, The Bible uses the word betrothed to Joseph of the house of David. And so they've never been together intimately. He makes that point clear. Most of you probably know there are three stages to a Jewish uh, wedding. Uh, First of all, there was the engagement, which was a a formal agreement by fathers of the children. And so I think we need to go back to this personally. I mean, don't you guys think it would be cool for dads to hook up the little kids when they're little and, you know, they don't have to worry about it, you don't have to worry about it. I know who my, um, what are they called, compadres or what are they called? I forgot. Anyways, um, my in-laws, I know who I'm going to hang out with, you know, and uh, you pick a good guy. And so that's the engagement. It could happen when the kids were really small, right? And then there was the betrothal period. Now, the betrothal period is interesting um, this, there was actually a little ceremony involved, but it usually happened. Here's the funny thing. It usually happened right after both had reached puberty. Okay? So you guys know how God created us. God created us as sexual creatures. And once puberty kicks in, okay, now you're ready to you know, be together. Now you're ready, in, in one sense, to have kids. And 
God didn't make a mistake when he made us. And so what we're, what we're basically discovering is that because of this, usually the guy's older than the girl, because of this, Mary was probably not much older than 14, 15, 16 years old. Real young, right? When all this takes place, right? Later there would be the actual marriage itself. Usually around a year after the betrothal period was commenced and the bridegroom would come for his bride in a certain season, but on an unspecified day. And so that's how it worked in Jewish culture. So they're betrothed. They haven't consummated the marriage. Luke's emphasis here is that they were just betrothed, that Mary was a virgin. And then we read in verse 28, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. You know, so you're, you're reading through the Christmas story. I don't know if you've read through it yet. Hopefully you have. But Luke uh, probably has the most information out of all the Gospels, and you're wondering what is it that makes this world rock the way it does this time of year? I mean, what is it? What birthday could possibly, you know, make uh, Americans spend, you know, such, such an enormous amount of money every single year, send out all these cards, make all these cookies and tamales and all the wrapping and all this kind of stuff. They're traveling all around the world. What is it? What's... What's the heart of all this? And, and you got to go to the Bible, right? And you have to read what you're reading right here, right? And, and so, you know, the, the angel comes to Mary, and he appears with a message from God. His first words were words of joy. And he told Mary to rejoice. Why? Why was she to rejoice? Well, because she was highly favored, blessed among women, and the Lord was with her. We read that there in our text. But here's where it gets interesting, you guys. And here's where I think we begin to see um, what Christmas is all about. Here's where I think we begin to see and, and be able to finish that, that sentence. Christmas is Christmas when we understand what the message really was. What really happened. Notice again there in verse 29, when, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. You know, Mary's immediate response wasn't joy, right? I mean, she was actually troubled. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says she was troubled, and it doesn't necessarily say she was troubled at his appearance or in awe of the angel. You know, there are other times in the Bible you read Revelation or maybe in the resurrection and you'll see that the, the angels appeared in, in glorious fashion. You know, but it doesn't say that here. We don't know for sure what form Gabriel appeared in. And most of the time, if you read your Bible, you'll find that angels just look like men. I mean, angels, I don't know if you guys knew this, Hebrews chapter 13 says you should be careful you know, when you're entertaining strangers, when you're reaching out to people on the streets, you never know because a lot of times you might be end up 
helping an angel. They usually look like men. That's how they looked like when they came to Lot. So Mary here is not necessarily troubled by the angel's appearance. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says she's troubled by what Gabriel said to her. You know, and I, and I read that, and as I was looking and just researching that, I, I was wondering, Lord, why was she troubled? Why would she be afraid? You know, apparently she didn't think she deserved to be favored or blessed. Apparently she didn't think she deserved for God to be with her. Now, again, I'm not 100% sure. We don't know for sure what Gabriel looked like. The Bible doesn't say, but... I know we have our preconceived ideas. And, and you know, um, a lot of times we, I think, looking at the Christmas story, we put things there that actually take away from it. You know, let me ask you a question that perhaps you haven't really contemplated. Because uh, I think there's a misconception. What do you think about Mary? What do you think about Mary? You know, most of us here... Uh, unfortunately, we have this picture presented to us that she had it all together. You know, later she responded in a glorious fashion. But I think most of us here, if we were to say, well, what, you know, we're definitely not, we're, we're not Catholics, and we don't esteem her to the point of, you know, the Immaculate Conception or the perpetual virginity. We don't believe she ascended into heaven or, or she's crowned the, the queen of heaven like some of the Catholics do, right? But at the same time, I think Christians, they kind of take away from the Christmas, Christmas story because, you know, we, we think that for whatever reason that she had it all together. You know, she dotted every I, she crossed every T, that, that she, you know, pretty much didn't sin. And I'll tell you what, you got to be careful with that because we just got to take it for what it is. We're going to see as we go through our study here that, that she found a lot of grace. I mean, I'm sure she was a beautiful young lady who was created and called for this very purpose. And even later we'll see her response is amazing. But, you know, as you read through the Gospels, you're going to find that she wasn't perfect. And I think that's important for us uh, to understand. Um, you know, it's interesting. Later on in life, when Jesus began his public ministry, in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible says that when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said he's out of his mind. Now, a lot of people believe that's in reference to his family, because they saw Jesus, and he's out there preaching and, and teaching and even talking about dying. And so at that point, you know, maybe mom steps in, brother steps in, sisters step in, and they say, we've got to rescue him from himself. He's gone crazy later on in the same chapter of mark in chapter 3 verse 31 it says that his brothers and mother came and standing outside they sent to him calling him and a multitude was sitting around him and they said to him look your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you but he answered to them and he said who is my mother or my brothers and he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of god is my brother and my sister and my mother. You know, all I'm saying at this point is that you got to be careful when, you know, you look at life, you look at Christians or the Christmas message or Mary, 
and you make it about her. And you make it about her goodness. Well, she must have been, you know, so wonderful. And, and maybe it's more about that God is wonderful. You ever think about that? Mary wasn't perfect. Here's one I'll throw out at you just because um, I want to have fun, okay? <laughs> and you guys don't take this to, you know, you know, writing and say, oh, man, he said this, or even though I did say it, but just don't tell anybody, okay? <laughs> but I tell you what, Mary wasn't perfect. She wasn't perfect. She was just like you. She was just like me. It's important for us to know that. Uh, in John chapter 2, Okay, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she told him, hey, they're out of wine. I want you to make, make some wine. Make some water out of wine. Make some wine out of water. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and so, um, Jesus, what did Jesus do? Do you guys remember the story? Jesus said, it's not my time. He said, woman, <laughs> it's not my hour. But his mom had asked him to do something. So what it, you know, he's like, okay, well, it's my mom. I love her. I don't want to put her on blast, right? And so, you know, he did it behind the scenes, and he, and he made the, the water to wine. The servants saw, the disciples saw. But let me ask you a question. Was that the perfect will of God? I wonder sometimes, you know. He honored his mom. He did what she asked him to do. But now, here we are 2,000 years later, and we got people over there ruining their lives through alcohol. And what is their primary passage in drinking? Well, Jesus turned water to wine. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, God's sovereign. God's in control. It did manifest his glory. But the point that I'm trying to make to you guys, and I think it's important in understanding the Christmas message, is that, you know, we got to take Mary off her pedestal. She's a good woman. She responded to the grace of God. But she is just like you and me. And I think that's very important for us. I believe it to be extremely important for us to know that God didn't find the, the perfect city. And God didn't find the, the perfect girl named Mary. No, God didn't find Mary. You know, Mary found grace. It's interesting here. Notice again, it says in verse 28, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She knew she wasn't worthy. Consider what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You know, the Greek word translated favor is the word uh, charis. It's usually translated grace. I wish they would have translated it grace. Because the word is found uh, 156 times in the Bible, 130 times it's translated grace. It's, a, it's, it's grace. Mary found grace. You know, the, the, the phrase highly favored one there is from the same root word, grace. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why not? You found grace. Maybe somebody needs to hear that today. Maybe you're here today and like, you know, all of a sudden 
some type of you know, presence of God or, or maybe even thoughts of the enemy. I don't know. They come into your heart. And yet you're a Christian. You're a blood-bought believer. You are forgiven. You are free. You're his. But for whatever reason, the enemy comes in and he tries to strike fear into your heart for various you know, things that are going on. And you're wondering about this, wondering about that, wondering even if God's going to give you a, a trancaso or something. you know. And, and the angel or the, the Lord just comes to you and says, no, this is part of the Christmas message. Don't be afraid because you have found grace in God's sight. Man, if we could receive that, our lives would never be the same. But we struggle with that. And yet that's such an important part of the Christmas message. Remember the, the song, God rest, ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, O oh, tidings of Comfort and joy. Don't be afraid. Why not? Grace. Why Nazareth? Grace. Why Almani? Grace. Why Mary? Grace. Why you? Because you're so good. Don't be afraid. It's grace. Why Peter, James, and John, and Matthew? Grace. Why women of the night, immoral women, those who were demon-possessed? Why? It was grace. Why Saul? Grace. And you'll never earn it. And I know this drives me crazy. This drives me crazy because, you know, I, I'm trying so hard to earn it. And we get caught up in that type of Christianity and God is just saying, come on, man, it's how it all started. The Christmas message was a message of grace. I mean, the very first prophecy back in Genesis 3 verse 15, they call it the protevangel. That's when the Lord was pronouncing the curse on Eve because she had fallen and eaten of the apple. In the very same sentence, he prophesied the coming of Jesus Christ, who would be born of the seed of woman. Women don't have the seed in the scriptures. And right there in that same sentence, there was grace. You guys, I, I want to encourage you to let that part sink in. It's important that you receive it. You know, I, I don't know if you guys heard this story about a, a Texas billionaire. His name is Jeffrey Hildebrand. And uh, he Oh man, I was when I read the story, I was like, "Wow!" Did you guys hear about this? How this guy gave all of his employees a one hundred thousand dollar Christmas bonus? You know, I told my wife about that. She says she wants to go work there. I said, "You can't go to Texas. We're called El Monte. A hundred thousand dollar Christmas bonus. Imagine that." Well, the thing about it is that the way that this guy operates, he, he's obviously a generous man. He, he himself is a billionaire. But, you know, it, his employees, they earn it. Uh, he gave another bonus five years ago, and uh, he offered them between these two options. You can have a $50,000 car or a $35,000. Uh, you can have 35000 in cash. Which would you choose, you know? 
my son said, I'll, I'll get the car and sell it. I said, I don't know if that's an option. <laughs> but he gave it to them because they doubled their business. And so you know what they did in response to that? They worked harder. They worked harder, they worked harder. And then this year, they had doubled their business again. And so they got $100,000 cash. Now, for some people, I think that's the way their relationship is with the Lord. Well, I think I can earn it. I think I'll work harder. I'll double my output. And, and the Lord is just saying, well, that's the way the world is, and that's cool. You want to be generous like that? that? That's kind of the way the world deals with each other, but that's not how I deal with you. You fall down, I still love you. You blow it, I'll still use you. Not, you know, I mean, talking about eyes wide open, but I'm talking about people who are living life in fallen bodies, in the fallen world against fallen demons. God says, this Christmas message, it's, it's Mary, it's Nazareth. Don't miss that. Don't mess it up by esteeming her and telling the whole world that she was worthy. Because she's not. None of us are. It's a gift of grace. You see, point number one, Christmas is Christmas when it's understood to be the gift of grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, why Nazareth um, when nothing good can come out of there, you know? I even I remember coming to Almani. I remember when the Lord first laid it on my heart to start a, a Bible study here. It was probably about 13 years ago. And I was having lunch with a friend and some co-workers. And, and one of the gals, we were there having lunch. I can tell she was a little bothered that I was coming to Almani. And uh, in kind of a weird way, she asked me this question. She said, why Almani? You know, it's all in the tone of voice, huh? You know? And I and I remember the question. I just kind of looked down, and I was just eating my food, processing my thoughts, thinking about you know growing up in this community, uh, thinking about how God had made it clear and called me to this community. And then before I could say anything, another gal uh, there said, "Why not? Why not?" You know, because I think sometimes, you know, people have the tendency to think, well, you got to be worthy, you have to have a certain standard, but it's not like anyone or anywhere is worthy, you guys, is grace. And probably one of the hardest things in your life, and I'm challenging, to fa- I'm challenging to face this challenge, is to receive the grace of God. Christmas is Christmas when it's understood to be the gift of grace. Number two, Christmas is Christmas when it's understood to be the gift of Christ, right? I mean, look again there in verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. You see, the angel Gabriel clearly announced who he will be. 
I mean, when Gabriel now finally gets to what we would consider to be the heart of the message, it's all about Jesus. He will be great. It's important for us to know that the emphasis is on the greatness of Christ, not the greatness of Mary. He'll be called the Son of the Highest. It's funny, when we refer to Jesus, we don't call him the Son of Joseph or Mary, not Really, we call him the Son of God, the Son of the Highest. Now, from a Jewish standpoint, this is a great claim, not just to royalty, but to deity. According to the Bible Knowledge Commentary, it says, The fact that her baby was to be called the Son of the Most High pointed to his equality with the Most High, Yahweh. In Semitic thought, a son was a carbon copy of his father, and the phrase, Son of, was often used to refer to one who has possessed, has possessed his father's quality. And it's then that we begin to think about these things. And it's important for us to do that. Who is this baby? You know, and we see he's great. We see he's God. And now does that trip you out? That God would come to planet Earth? And yet all the, all the, all the Christmas, you know, scriptures talk about that. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and... And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated what? God with us, right? God came here. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. I mean, that's, eternity past. I mean, do you ever think about how amazing God is? You look back to eternity and, and you can just go back as far as, as possible. He's there. And you go forward into the future and you go beyond the billions and billions and billions of galaxies and you just keep going. And where does it end? Where does it end? There's, there, it's just, it just, you blow fuses. You ever think about those things? And God is there. I mean, it's about Jesus, and you start thinking about it again. Okay, well, he's, uh, he's um, you know, going to be great. He's the son of the highest. He's God with us. He's the one who's always been. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. See? And that for us, in looking at the Christmas story, you know, just thinking about this, you know, we understand it's about, it's about Jesus, you know? And, and God came here. And we know that he came to die on a cross for our sins. You see? From what I understand, it's etched in history that every young Jewish woman knew the Messiah was coming and they all had that dream, I guess, to be the mother of the Messiah, right? So Mary at this point probably knew that of all the millions of moms in the world that she had been chosen. And even though she was able to relay the angelic words to Luke, because I believe Luke interviewed her to get the information, who then conveys this to us, I have a feeling that she probably didn't know the nature, the complete, you know, nature of the child 
that she would have, right? That's why that song, and I, I won't sing it to you guys, but um, I, I, I'll quote the words, Mary, did you know? It makes a lot of sense, huh? You guys remember that song? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kissed your little baby, you kissed the face of God. Imagine that. I mean, it just blows you away when you realize that God came to earth. I mean, the announcement here, as Gabriel shares, was a claim to deity, a claim to royalty, but not just a regular type of royalty. It was a, a monarchy that would be everlasting. Notice again, he says right here in verse 31, And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. I mean, today Jesus is enthroned in heaven. We read that in Acts chapter 2, in Hebrews 1. But it's not D David's throne, right? One day Jesus will return and establish his righteous kingdom on earth, and then these prophecies will be fulfilled. Jesus' reign over the nation of Israel as her king will begin in what we call the millennium and continue on into the eternal state. I wonder if there's anyone here who wants that king. I mean, I'm sorry, man. I hope I don't offend anybody here, but I look at our presidential candidates. I mean, the Democrats, they're offering who? And, you know, maybe you're a Trump fan, and that's, guy, that's cool. That's between you and the Lord, man. But <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, at least he's got some courage. I don't know. All I know is that, man, when I look and I'm thinking, man, Lord, what's going to happen? You know, you look at the, the rulers all around the world. Seriously, come on. I mean, what, what hope do we have unless the Lord Jesus comes, right? And that's really what this whole thing is, is primarily about. The Messiah would be the king. He would come, he would bring peace, and he would bring in the everlasting kingdom, right? I mean, here we see Gabriel talk about Jesus, his humanity, his deity, his monarchy, right? And and then Mary here doesn't really know everything. One thing she's thinking about there in verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And she kind of asked the same question Zacharias had asked earlier, but Zacharias, uh, he asked it in a different tone. Uh, Zacharias, who was old, right, and didn't think he could have any more kids, he doubted God. He's like, how can this be? And then he just said, okay, you're in trouble, man, because you doubted. Mary's like, I've never been with a man. I have a question, you know. 
how can this be? And then Gabriel, he's so cool. He just gives the answer and he says it's going to be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, that the Lord, God, the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit are all going to be involved. And then it's not weird, you know. It's just beautiful and it's intimate how baby Jesus would then be placed within the womb of Mary, God himself becoming the size of a period on the end of your sentence, right? And so in verse 36, uh, it says, Indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for who, her who is called barren. For with God, isn't this beautiful? Nothing will be impossible. I mean, this would be a faith builder to Mary. You know, that Elizabeth, uh, some say it was her aunt, others say her cousin, we know it was a relative, would have uh, been, you know, conceived, the, the John the Baptist within her womb at an old age. And so she's like, wow, you know, this is true. She's pregnant. And then that, what that would do is that would then give her faith to believe the word that was spoken to her. And so in verse 38, then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See? And and when you look at these things, you guys, I know it's so simple, but I, I think it's important for us just to stop before we go on and before we get caught up in all these other things. You know, you want to really celebrate Christmas, man. I really believe that Christmas is Christmas when it's understood to be the gift of grace. I think Christmas is Christmas when it's understood to be the gift of Christ. And you just meditate on Him and you look at how awesome He is. You look at all the different scriptures. Amazing. But then number three, I think Christmas is Christmas when we believe and receive God's gift of salvation. And that's what Mary did. And there in verse 38, it's just so beautiful. She just said, um, I mean, and, and if you think about it, she could have like done a Moses, like, no, choose somebody else. You know, this is kind of going to be a heartache, or I'm not sure, it doesn't sound too, I don't know. But she just submitted, she yielded, and she said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, here it is, let it be to me according to your word. And then angel said, the angel Gabriel said, okay, now I can leave. I believe that, that she believed, that she received, and that she conceived. And now I think we can celebrate Christmas. You know, there's a lot of people out there who don't believe, huh? But are they really celebrating Christmas? No. There's a lot of people out there, even in the church, they kind of believe, but they're not like really examining and really drawing near. Are they really celebrating Christ, which is what Christmas means? And, and the answer is, is probably not. You know, you got to come back to the, the grace. You got to come back to who Jesus is. And you got to come back to the fact that, that you have to believe and you have to receive. You have to kind of like, it's kind of like getting a gift and opening it up. It's not enough just to get the gift. You've got to open it up, right? And then you've got to put it into practice. You've got to put it into action. You have to receive it. And that's where, um, you know, I think a lot of times we fall short, you guys. I encourage you this year to, to receive, to believe. Uh, um, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian, you know, and someone invited you or you came or they dragged you, right? 
And you know, they're like, okay, if you, if you go, I'll take you out to breakfast afterwards or something, you know. Um, and, you, you know, you, you celebrate Christmas or you go through all the different things. But, you know, the truth is you don't really celebrate Christmas unless you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Unless you believe, unless, unless you receive. I pray that if that's you today, that you would know you know, because maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not good enough. I've blown it a lot. I've, I've messed up in my life. I don't know if God would accept me. You know, Mary's was an exceptional, you know, young lady. And yeah, in one sense, I understand what you're saying. But you got to know that it's the grace of God. And the Bible says that um, if anyone comes to him, he will never turn anyone away. You just got to receive this gift and you got to open it up. It's kind of like I read a story about a, about a little girl. She was only five years old. And, uh, and one year she wanted to give her dad something special. And so what she, she did, she, she took her gift and, and she wrapped it up in some nice gold paper. And, and she gave it to him. And you know he was kind of surprised, to be honest with you, at Christmas. Like, what, what, what is it that my daughter got me because she doesn't have any money and I don't remember taking her shopping and, and neither did mom. And, and you know, he was blessed though on Christmas Day. He opens it up. He opens up, you know, the wrapping, the box, but there's nothing in it. There's nothing in the box. And so, you know, the dad was kind of puzzled. He says, sweetheart, you know, was there supposed to be something in here? Because it's empty, Right. And the little girl, she's so cute, you know, a little five-year-old. You know how they're filled with so much faith, right? She said, Daddy, before I, I, I closed the box, I filled it with as many kisses as I could. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's amazing, man. I think that's awesome. So the guy, he was a good dad, and so he didn't throw that box away, you know. And uh, he kept it, and every Christmas... He would open it up, and it was almost as if he could, you know, fill her beautiful kisses on his cheek every year until 12 years later when she was killed by a drunk driver. You know, what that did to him was that changed his life. And he took that little box that his little five-year-old girl had given him, 12 years later, he took it down from the shelf. And, uh, and he knew, and she's with the Lord, one day I'm going to be with her. But until then, he put it right there, right next to his bed. And rather than opening it up every Christmas, he opened it up every day. And it's kind of like he had his little girl kiss him every day. And I think for us, you know, when I think of Christmas, I mean, praise God that we do this every year. You know, you got to open up that gift. But my prayer, you guys, in all reality, at the end of the day, and I think all of you who love the Lord, you know what I'm talking about, that this is something we celebrate every day, huh? Every day. The Bible says what? Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. It's a gift of grace. It's a gift of Jesus. And it's a gift that we have to believe and receive and open up every single day. Amen.
We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.